Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for episode 95 of our show, in which we will be discussing our top 10 MCU moments. This topic was actually brought to us by our guest this week, John Shecker. John is one of our patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, where we offer all kinds of exclusive content that is not available anywhere else from two weekly Q&A shows to a daily podcast, The Daily Bugle. We also do Patreon credit scenes where we take our main episodes like this and then we just continue the conversation or add another topic. So for this week, as we go over our top 10 MCU moments, there obviously are a lot of moments that we had to leave off of our lists. So we went ahead and listed some of our honorable mentions for this week's Patreon credit scene. So for all the information on the exclusive content that we offer, as well as the opportunities that we offer to be on the show with us, you can find all of that at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And the great thing about getting the exclusive content on our Patreon is that you also get your own private RSS link that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts so you can get all of the content, the main show, as well as all the Patreon exclusives. It can all be in one place on one feed. You don't have to hunt down your Marvel Studios news podcasts in multiple places. Now, a little bit of background information on how this is going to work. There won't just be 10 moments in this list that we're going to go over because it's actually three lists. Uh, three lists. It's my list, John's list, Paul's list. There's going to be some overlap that you'll notice, but you're going to get a lot of MCU moments discussed over the course of this show. And so before we get into it, one last thing to mention, or a few final things to mention, and that is to make sure you keep up with us every day at marvelstudiosnews.com. Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. So let's go ahead and get into it now, our top 10 MCU moments. All right, so before we welcome our guest, Paul, I have to thank you for doing the impossible prying yourself away from that spider-man game so we could record tonight uh, yeah that's true that's true it's been so it, it's weird because this game has been so good it's it's exceeded all my expectations and then it, it and then some it's crazy how good this game is i i don't know if people saw this tweet and everyone follows me on twitter they should but if they don't you missed the tweet of me saying, if I was given this game when I was eight years old, like someone literally came back in time and said, you know, give me a PS4 or this game, put it, me in front of a TV and said, play this game right now. I would have devote, I would have shaved my head, donned a monk robe and dedicated my life to <laughs> Spider-Man for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I've, it's not even close. So it is the truth. This game is unbelievably good and it's super just it's amazing i no pun intended it's it really is an amazing game and i love it and i know we're going to talk about it soon at some point yep, so we will yes we so will, don't but, that's, worry. but that's not what we're going to be talking about today we're going to be talking yeah. about a topic at the request of our guest this week john shecker did i pronounce that correctly yes perfect you did. john welcome to the show thank you i want to thank you guys for uh Figured out hundreds of uh, hours of uh, entertainment and a uh, a wonderful tool to help me fall asleep. So thank you both. For that. <laughs> exactly. I don't know I about the entertainment part, but we're definitely a sleep aid. So. 
no doubt about that. Okay, so John, you presented us with a challenge. So I like you very much, but I hate you at the same time <laughs> because you had us take twenty movies and boil it down to our ten, our top ten moments in the MCU. Yes, uh, you did a similar show on your uh, Batman uh, podcast, and I liked it so much, but I thought it would be even harder to do for MCU movies because there's so many more, and uh, the quality of them generally is a little bit better in terms of the spectrum than Batman movies. And I thought, hey, there's going to be 10 movies that we leave off this list, so it's going to be a real challenge. So I thought, uh, if there's anyone up to it, it's the two of you. Yeah, uh, I don't know that I was up to it, but I did it anyway. Uh, (laughs) This was... A very challenging list. Yeah, a couple years ago when Andy DiGenova and I did this for Batman movies on the Batman News podcast, it was easy enough because this was even pre, or this is almost three years ago because this was pre-Batman v Superman and everything. Like there, well, not that that would have made my list, but there, there still was a very limited number of Batman films, and so it was a lot easier to come up with a list. This, I have to say was really challenging. Even Paul, when I told him, hey, this is the topic that we're going to talk about, so start thinking about it, he responded, what, with like a sweating emoji? Paul, <laughs> like you, were, <laughs> you were immediately stressed out. Yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was something that, again, and we talked about my top 10 moments are not going to be, it's not the same as the top 10 most important things that happen in the MCU, and which are then those are debatable to you know obviously, but like my favorite moments are not going to be everyone's like, you know I bet I I know for a fact that there's gonna be a lot of my moments on this list. People are gonna go what? That's one of your favorite moments, and there's reasons. I always, I have lots of reasons to back up my my favorite moments. So you'll at least get those. But there'll be there'll be a couple where people will be like what? So. But that's it's totally different, and I and when I once I kind of wrap my head around that idea that it's a top ten my favorite moments, it's not the same as the same thing as saying what's an, what's an important thing that happened in the MCU that's really you know important in it you know it, it's 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 a for whatever reason so it, it made me it helped me out quite a bit when I looked at it strictly from my own personal fan service uh, perspective. Yeah. Now, just to clarify how this is going to work, we are going to have honorable mentions because it was impossible to really just only think of 10 moments and only name 10 moments. But the honorable mentions will be mentioned honorably on our Patreon credit scene. So that's where you can get those over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. As far as the list, we've each come up with our own list of 10. And so we're just going to take turns going from 10 all the way down to one. But if, and I expect this will happen at least a couple times on the show, if there's any overlap, so for example, if my number 10 moment is Paul's 7, then we're just going to talk about that all at once, uh, so we're not repeating it as we go on the list. So we may be skipping some numbers for some people if, in the case that there were any instances where there was any overlap. So John... This is your topic, so I want to go ahead and let you be have the uh, let you have the first chance to be wrong with the moment you put in your top ten. Uh, so that way, Paul and I don't have to take that heat. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll take heat for the rest of our list as we go on. So, start us off. What's your number ten moment in the MCU? Okay, uh, just to uh, give some perspective on on how I came up with this list, I really weighted it to my experience in the theater. 
Okay. So I really, you know, when did I get hit by a moment while I was sitting there watching it really for the first time? And number 10 for me is from the original Thor movie when mm. Loki yells at Odin to tell him his purpose. And he mm. says, he just goes, tell me. And Tom Hiddleston just yells that line right to Anthony Hopkins. And that moment just really grabbed me because it was the first time I really, you saw Tom Hiddleston sort of open up as an actor and he's going toe to toe with one of the greats and he's holding his own. And I was like, wait, who the hell is this guy? Right. And the other thing is it really helped Loki turn from a two dimensional character to a really three dimensional character and be the great villain that he's been throughout the MCU. So that moment for me was number 10. It really, really hit me when I saw it in the theater. That's an awesome moment. I don't have that on my list. Paul, do you have that one? I do not. Okay. So I'm glad it, I'm glad it's on there. I actually forgot to even think about that one for my honorable mentions. I was moving past, Thor was one of the movies that spoiler alert I excluded from my list. I don't really have anything from Thor, but if I had to pick one, that probably would have been it. And I think it's a great point in terms of the perspective it gives you on Loki that makes him I mean even as he does these terrible things, it, it maintains a little bit of that sympathetic villain quality, but it's in a way that's earned because that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when you have a sympathetic villain and it's not really genuine. It hasn't properly been built up, but I think they got it in that moment in Thor. Paul, what's number, what's number 10 on your list? Well, I'm a, it's, I kind of go in order of the films. I helped, that's kind of what helped me kind of think about like my favorite moments. Like, you know, okay, what, what, you know, besides the, the couple that came right to my head. So I'm going to, mine are going to be basically in order and so, or should I mix it up? What do you think? Should I just mix it up for the heck of it? Or however you want it. It's your list. However you want. <sighs> I hate you guys. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'm, I'm just going to, I'll throw this out. Number 10. I'm going to stick it with Thor. I'm okay. going to stick with Thor. And this is not the traditional number one, but I'm just going to mix it up just from the hell of it. Um, this one was a hard one. It was, I didn't, I wasn't going to make it, have it make the cut. Cause again, this is very fan servicey and never, this is one of those people are going to be like, what? And it's the part where Thor goes to um, the Frost Giants, okay, and he faces and he, and he faces off with them, and he just like is just you know being a big dummy the entire time, but kicking cr- the crap out of everybody. And the reason why I love that moment so much is because that to me is the character of Thor. My love for these characters it all comes from being in my love of being steeped in the comic book. So when I when I watch these films, I can't help but call back to that. And for me. Thor isn't quite Marvel Comics Thor, the 616 Thor at the very end of the film. Like it's it's close, but it's not quite there. Right. And it's, it, 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 it isn't a bad thing, but it's just it's just not reality. It's just not the the Thor that I grew up reading because I, I did like Thor a fair amount and read a bunch of his comics. And the thing is, he that's just he's a lot more belligerent doofus in the comic books, and I like that about him. He's just a big oaf, and. In that beginning of that movie, where he does that, like that to me is Thor, one hundred percent from the comic books, and that was the probably the first comic book film um, since Iron Man, where I, with even with the MCU with, with Incredible Hulk, which I liked, and I liked Iron Man two. Thor was like, I can't believe they got Thor right, and that was even though he, he developed later on to be a little more like, you know, smart not smarter, but just a little more gentle. I, I definitely liked the, the that personification of Thor of seeing that what I love and that to me was 
100% vintage Thor. And it was a great moment. And it always, whenever I watch it, I always get a big smile because I remember how much it made me think like they're doing Thor right. And it was a great moment for me. And I love, I love, I think Hemsworth is underrated in that movie. He does a great job in that scene. And re- he really buy, you really buy the fact that he's this like ultimate warrior and he does not have a care in the world. So that's, for me, that's one of my favorite moments in the MCU. Well, anybody else have that on their list? I don't. What about you? I do. I'm pretty sure he has. Yeah, no, that's definitely. I love that because that's totally a Paul moment to be in his top ten. It's you are very much on brand with that in your top ten. Now, for my number ten moment, I'm going to cap. I'm going to Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and I know the sentimental favorite would be with you till the end of the line. And if I were to make a list that was more about just the important moments, it's probably going to be that one. I understand there's more signi- there's more significance to it, uh, narratively speaking. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's the cap takedown of all those bad guys on the Lumerian star, the ship in the beginning. That's my comic book moment uh, for this. And it, it actually narrowly beat out on your left. So a little background on my list. This wouldn't necessarily be my top 10 rankings all across the board because I I did limit it to one entry per film because that was already going to force me to exclude 10 movies, and I didn't want to exclude any more than that, so I limited it to one per film. And I tried to balance it and try to favor things that are more towards moments than scenes. So in this one, it's not necessarily the entire sequence, but it's that main part after he first gets on the ship and he's just running through and that the initial takedowns before you kind of get the break in the action when Rumlow shoots the last guy for him. But that was such an adrenaline rush for me watching that for the very first time because, and, and I've said this before, I mean, I grew up, I mean, I grew up loving all these characters, but particularly I was a huge Batman fan. So not from Marvel, but I remember thinking in my head, damn, Captain America is more Batman than Batman's ever been with the way he fought in that. Like, I just loved it. If I had to go down to one second, like one real specific second in this moment, it's where Cap's running and the guy that he just knocks over the side of the ship. Like, just as he's running by, just boom. I was like, that's dope. (laughs) Yeah. That sequence was such an adrenaline rush of the fight choreography. And it also serves, if you want to look at it, from more historical perspective, that serves as a great introduction to the Russo's style and what I've always enjoyed about the action that they have in their movies is that it's very visceral. Like you feel the impact of the action sequences that the Russo's direct in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I felt it right away with their first one in Winter Soldier. So that's 10 on my list. Yeah, and I also think that scene had enough shield throws for Paul. Oh, Yes. Oh, crazy yes. amounts. But, like, I, I mean, style points on those shield throws. There were bank yeah, shots. Yes. Oh, they were pretty badass, yeah. Everything. I, I, for the record, I'll never forget. I'm not sure if you listen to this, this, this specific show, um, John, but it was way back when The Winter Soldier was first coming out. And Sean had already seen it, classic Sean, already seen it like three times before <laughs> it had come out, you know? And I'm just like, and he's like, oh, you know, it's so sorry, good. Sorry, not I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I know it's understandable, but no, I I, I remember I you know, I go well, I don't want to know what happens, but give me something that I you'll know I'll love. And you said I'll never forget. You go, shield throws exceeded. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 
I was like, good. That's good. No <laughs> problem. No problem meeting quota on that one. So yeah. anybody else have that on their list? Probably not. Not, not quite. Not quite. Not Alan? quite. Not quite. It's close. Right. It's close. Let's start right. with number nine. What do you have, John? Uh, number nine on my list is from earlier this year, Black Panther. Okay. And it is when Mbaku shows up for mm. and says, it's challenge day. Ah. And that one is because this entire time for like uh, about five minutes, you'd seen sort of the pageantry of Wakanda. And um, it seemed like this idyllic, uh, almost too good to be true utopia. Okay. And when he shows up, and challenges it really for me turned Wakanda from a utopia to an actual nation okay. with different political views, and um, it's also something we haven't really seen before in terms of uh, you know people of African descent disagreeing with each other about something other than race, right? And that was really refreshing to see for the first time in, in a big budget movie, and also it introduced us to who I thought along with. Uh, with um, Shuri, who stole the movie, uh, Winston Duke, yes. who I thought was fantastic. So that moment for me, also the fact that it became sort of a, uh, a Twitter uh, sensation where people were doing the Mbaku challenge. Right. So, uh, especially I the really kid loved, who did every yeah, line. Especially the, yes. <laughs> so uh, that to me was, was fantastic to see um, a, a sort of a nation come alive and challenge. And, oh, my God, this is a, a real – This is, we're talking about real politics now. Yeah, no, that's a it's an awesome moment. The the initial Warrior Falls sequence was a contender on my list, although I chose a different entry for Black Panther. Paul, do you have this one on your list? I, I do not, but okay. it's a it's a good one though, John. I like that one. What have you got at nine? Well, I'll just again, I'm, these aren't really in order necessarily. I'm just kind of throwing them out there. The little towards the end, the, the ones towards the end are some of my absolute favorite moments. But whatever. Um, another very on-brand moment for me, Sean, would be uh, again. This is a Captain America scene of the reveal that he's part of that whole um, war show, where that's where the birth of Captain America happens uh-huh. is through is through the whole like um, what do you call that? I don't even. It's not a war show, but um, the, the whole war bonds. Yeah, it, yeah they have a name it's, for it. It's like, well, I mean, it's a propaganda show, but it's propaganda. Just, yeah, propaganda. The Star Spangled Man is the easiest way to refer to it. Well, I think. Right. So, so basically, the reason why I love that was because one of my favorite characters growing up was Captain America. He was never like in the upper like Spider Man and the X Men and, and Daredevil and the Hulk. But he was always he's, he's he's very much if you love Marvel comics, you have no choice but to love Captain America because he is the heart and soul of the Marvel universe in my opinion. Like I think I think Spider Man is the face, but to me Captain America or excuse me he's the face and the soul. Captain America is the heart of the Marvel universe, and that's what I should probably should say. So I've always liked Cap, and I've always would dabble in Captain America comics. But you know money's tight when you're a kid; you had to you know make some cuts. Captain America was always one I kind of would go off and on with and just. You know, keep up with every once in a while always love cap though so when they're making the mcu films i was always like how are they going to make captain america a legit like not a joke on screen like look at the old 1990 captain america movie as an example to do a literal translation with rubber ears and all right i mean it's like it just doesn't work and you have to make it work and i remember seeing the designs of the of the suit it was great like you know the, the, the what they eventually did but to get the actual name, Captain America, like I had no idea what they were going to do. And I remember them talking a little bit about it in the, in, the, in, the, in the press, but I didn't want to dive too much into it. I wanted to kind of watch the movie. I was blown away of how they were able to incorporate 
the whole idea of Captain America, a, a superhero, through the propaganda uh, war bonds thing and becoming a movie star celebrity through being a, a superhero through that. And that's why you had the justified the comic books that he was a he was a franchise, essentially. And the fact that, that he was that character and they used that to then later on bring that actually into like him being a real superhero was so genius to me. Like I felt like the writers, Marcus and McFeely, right? Is that their names? Um, yes. I always butcher their names. Marcus McFeely, I, I, if they came up with that without Kevin Feige or anything, then holy crap, like that's genius. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. And to me, it was such a refreshing moment of, of a moment for me to be like, man, this is, this is like they're they're they made the idea of Captain America not ridiculous, and they made you buy into it. And I think that's what's so important about the first Avenger, is that you buy into Captain America. But I think you buy into it because of his origin in the film. It's not just made a super soldier and they put a costume in him and threw him out there. It was very much like he was already an established hero or a symbol. And then he became a real symbol once he like was given the chance. And I love that. And it made it, it just made him way more sense. And I feel like this will change Captain America forever. Like this, they'll go back and retcon if they haven't already. I'm, I'm not sure if the 616 has done it, but they should. They should make this as part of the canon. This should be how Captain America becomes. Like he be first, he first becomes a symbol because the government doesn't know what to do with them, and, he be, and they give him this ridiculous costume. But then he actually uses that symbol to become something more and represent something more in the country. So it was. I, I know. I know this is not going to be on any of your guys' other moments, but for me, it was like they actually made Captain America make sense, and that was an important moment for me in my fandom as uh, watching these films and uh, as someone who loves Captain America as much as I do. You know, uh, Paul, you're absolutely right. I remember thinking exactly what you just said while I was watching the movie, how smart it was mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Thanks, it's, man. It's a great moment. And as you said, Paul, it's a very smart decision on the part of Marcus McFeely, Feige, Joe Johnston, whoever came up with that idea, it was a great idea, or maybe it was just, it was all part of the collaborative effort for the film, but either way, it was a winning idea for sure. I've got something from Cap, the first Avenger, much higher on my list, so we'll get to it, but number nine, (laughs) I will be surprised if this is not on Paul's list. Um, this will probably be, I, I would think this is going to be on a lot of lists. It shouldn't be a controversial choice other than maybe it shouldn't be at nine. It should be higher, but yes. I've got Peter Parker trapped under the rubble in Spider-Man mm-hmm. homecoming. That moment, like wonderfully acted by Tom Holland because he got me to forget about the fact that this was a superhero and just in the panic and fear in his voice, he's taking me out of that. He's taking me out of the superhero movie and just making me afraid for this kid and worried about this kid and feeling for this kid who's in a lot of trouble right now. And and that's really what sells me on Spider-Man, is especially in these younger years. At the end of the day, he's still a kid. And then to see him in the way... It's shot perfectly. That shot where he's staring down at the puddle and it's he sees like half of it is his reflection. The other half is the mask that's down in that puddle. It's so perfect. And then the whole, come on, Spider-Man, get up, Spider-Man, persevering through that, which, of course, is from Amazing Spider-Man 
33, drawn beautifully by Steve Ditko. So a great homage to a classic Spider-Man story, a classic Spider-Man issue. Having that in there, plus just the raw emotion of the scene, everything about it, it makes that movie for me. It's tough because if I were to go with full on, this is where like the scene, the difference between a scene and a moment is different for me. If I had to go full on scene, I'd just say the car conversation between Adrian Toomes and Peter Parker. But for a specific moment in Spider-Man Homecoming, it's this one for me. Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> um, no, uh, th- this is actually not on my list. Um, and, you know, for me, moment scenes, they're debatable, which we'll get to later in this in this list. Um, but, uh, but this is actually not on my list 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 if you catch my drift wink wink for a later time <laughs> maybe for a certain end credit scene mm, wink wink maybe should I, should I wait for that or should i talk about it now what should i do uh well no we'll just we'll wait as we get through it so john what's your what's eight on your list okay uh number eight on my list i think is the only one or uh, one of the first ones that might show up on other lists it is from iron man when Tony looks in the camera and says, I am Iron Man. Yep, I've got it all the way up. Being, I've got it all the way up at number four. Go for it. Number four. Okay. Uh, for me, it was, I remember I had been, uh, 2006, 2007 were pretty rough years for superhero movies. Mm-hmm. X3 was bad. Spider-Man 3 was bad. Everything was bad except for Spider-Man 3 has moments. It has moments. It also has Peter, it also has Peter dancing. Come on. <laughs> I didn't argue that part. I didn't argue that part. Because... It has moments. Some really bad moments. <laughs> yes, yeah, some really bad moments. But, uh, you know, uh, Fantastic Four 2, Spider-Man 3, X3, yeah. Superman Returns, just a bunch of bad. So when I saw that, when I heard that Robert Downey Jr. was cast as Iron Man, I was like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. And seeing the movie from start to finish with a, you know, a full house on Friday and um, with a nerd guy I worked with. And when he said, I am Iron Man, my friend said, you're damn right. Nice. And <laughs> it really was a promise fulfilled because mm-hmm. the, the movie just worked from start to finish, even with the third act not being fantastic. But the end was so good. And I also right. loved that the it really showed, oh, there's no secret identity. I remember when they were talking in mm-hmm. the movie about him being the bodyguard. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to go through this. And when they wiped away the secret identity, I was so happy. And then the music kicks in with Iron Man. You're like, oh, my God, Marvel has pulled this off. And that moment for me was just great. So I Am Iron Man is number eight for me. Yeah, I have it number four on my list because it. Iron Man, of course, is I think it's the most important movie in the history of the superhero genre. I've argued that and for why I feel that way on multiple occasions. So I'm not going to go through all that here because we got a lot of lists to get through still, but that movie was such a game changer watching it for the first time in 2008. And that last shot summed it up perfectly. And I love the way that you explained it. I I don't know that I, I certainly didn't say it out loud, but that sentiment of you're damn right. I definitely, felt that and then kicking into right into black Sabbath's iron man right off of that it was just the perfect exclamation point at the end of that film because it it was it had multiple purposes obviously but two kind of key things is that it was very faithful to comics to having the mark one suit all the way up through the mark three 
But then at the same time, Marvel was showing, look, we're going to play our own game here too. We are going to honor the source material, but at the same time, we are going to subvert your expectations. We are going to break away from some of the tropes that have already been done to death within this genre, secret identities being one of them. We just can't keep it in this space. And and if you really look at who Tony Stark is in that film, he's not the kind of guy who could keep his identity a secret even if he wanted to, and he he wouldn't want to. The guy you met throughout that film He's not going to. He's not going to want to do that because even though his character arc is much and it continues throughout all the other films, but with this within this film, learning about responsibility and accountability, he's humbled a little bit, but not all the way. So he's not going to be humbled to the point where he's not going to want to embrace this idea of being Iron Man and have it be known. And it's not so much about bragging. It's just this this whole idea sounds flimsy. Like he even kind of makes fun of the bodyguard story before they go out there. And so I love that they just kind of brush it off and say, that's not the game that we're playing. We will give you things that are familiar to you if you know the comics and you know that we care about that. But that doesn't mean that just because you read some comic books, you know where we're going with this. We're going to take it in a different direction. So I absolutely I loved that move. And then the, the delivery is, is perfect. Yeah, I, I think that that's one that I didn't even think about. And this is why I know I'm kicking myself over a number of, of these that I'm hearing and this is definitely one of them. Um, it's not on my list, but it was one of those things where I felt it fit the the MCU Tony Stark perfectly, if that makes any sense. Because And again, coming from the comic books, Tony Stark is not – Robert Downey Jr. is not the M616 Tony Stark. He's actually better. In my yep. opinion, so oh, he totally so, is. And, yeah, and I don't. I'm not trying to disparage the old comics because I do love a lot of those old comics. I've read a lot of them, and I got to say that this is a way better. This is the best interpretation of Tony Stark you're going to get, and it should copy that to an extent. Sure. And so for me, like even the, it, it felt perfect. Like you know, if if you were to tell me at the beginning of of Iron Man or before I saw Iron Man that they he would do that, I'd be like. I just that uh, you know he had a secret identity for so long you know it's it's kind of goes against the thing watching it in the context of the mm-hmm. film it was perfect it was perfect and it's perfect and honestly it totally fits the character and I think it's it should be Tony Stark should always be public of who he is as Iron Man and it worked it, there there's cool storylines in the comic books of, of being like Iron Man is Tony Stark's bodyguard blah 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 you know all this stuff no it makes more sense to do it this way and I felt like that was like the transit that him saying that was a transition between the old Tony Stark. This is the new Tony Stark that we're going to have forever and it's for the better. So, so what's I, number I eight on your list, Paul? You had to set me up like that. Didn't you? I had, um, well, you were talking. I got it. Might, might as well oh, keep it rolling. I won't shut up. You know this. Um, so I know that's why I'm we're go- halfway into the show. Yeah. We're only <laughs> midway. No, through number eight. Okay. So this is, I'll stay. We're going to stick with Iron Man. Okay. Okay. And I don't have a lot of top ten moments with Iron Man, but again, going back, going back to ideas and things like this, one of the really important moments for me as a fan was the start of the MCU. Big deal, you know, as we know, and like, uh, you know, that was what started me, you know, contacting you. Sean was like, all these films coming out, and and knowing that you know Marvel with the success of Iron Man, we were going to have like more and more films, which made me really excited. One of the things that made me just have 100% full faith in Kevin Feige and the MCU people is the fact that they get their characters and they got the moments right. Mm 
And for me, the Mark One armor scene, mm. the whole like sequence, the moment of him donning that armor for the first time, fighting the 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 terrorist, um, for me was a great moment. I love love that moment because to me, they got the character like that's straight from the comic books. It was accurate. It was it was updated. But it made sense. And for me, it made it warmed my fanboy heart up because I was, you know, I just did, you know, were they going to go that route? And it looks it looks perfect. I mean, it literally looks like straight from page to screen. And it again, it warmed my heart and it makes it gives me joy. Like when I I don't love Iron Man one as much as I used to because we've gotten so much since then. And, and, it, and unfortunately, just I just don't have a desire to rewatch it as much. But when I do that scene always is my favorite by far because it makes me go back to being like, they did it. They made a freaking Iron Man movie. This is it. Fans, people like who have no idea who this character is are seeing what I read 20 years ago or 15, whatever, how long ago it was, you know, when I read that story, it, they're seeing it for the first time. That's exactly what I saw. They're seeing what I saw, but they're seeing it on screen. I read it in a comic book. It was a really important moment for me. So that moment for me is, is a top 10 moment. Yeah, it would be, go as an honorable mention for me because it, it was narrowly beat out by I Am Iron Man. If I was going to pick a second moment from Iron Man, it would have been the Mark One sequence from that. Number eight okay. on my list comes from Guardians of the Galaxy, and it is the line where Star-Lord says, this is our chance, and Drax says to do what? And he says to give a shit. Because it really sums up that whole movie and, and what these characters, who these characters are, what they've been going through is these are characters who I know Rocket and Groot have been paired up for a while, but most of these characters have been on their own and in many ways fulfilling their own selfish needs and goals or even if those things might have some nobility to them, like Drax wanting some sort of revenge or justice for his wife and daughter. But this is about these characters learning to come together and to care about things that are bigger and more important than themselves. But I love what the line is and saying our chance to give a shit as opposed to this is our chance to be heroes or something like that. It's kept in the same tone. It's said exactly the right way for those characters because what they haven't been doing is giving a shit beyond what might be right in front of them or their own selfish needs or desires uh this is them reaching beyond it and that moment perfectly sums it up so that that moment from guardians is number uh number eight on my list uh it's not on my list but number seven on my list is also from guardians on the galaxy uh, guardians of the galaxy and uh with all due respect to you paul it is when peter's quill starts dancing to come and get your love uh, i know that's that's a close that that's that's a close one for me on guardians yeah, it one it sets up the tone of the movie because the totally. it starts out with something very emotional, and then it had that little sort of Indiana Jones uh, three minutes where he's investigating, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, we're about to have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, and again, apologies to you, Paul. Um, <laughs> I have been a Chris Pratt fan since the mid two thousands when he was on this cheesy uh, teen uh, soap. Dr- nighttime soap drama called Everwood with uh, Emily uh, Emily Van Camp. And then he moved my favorite shows, uh, Parks and Rec. And then when you saw him in this movie and he starts dancing, I was like, oh, my God, I am seeing one of the guys I thought could be a star 
actually become a star. And you know when you see those scenes in movies, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, this person is a star. And that's what I got from that scene. So it, it just really got me there. And um, so that's why it's number seven on my list. That's a great moment. The first time I saw it was actually they did a sneak preview of some of the opening minutes and then a sizzle reel of Guardians of the Galaxy inside Tomorrowland uh, at, at Disneyland. And so I actually went there. It was my birthday and I went to, and I had an annual pass. And so like I, I my wife and I went there cause I just, I had to see this guardians thing. And so we went there and I saw that scene and I was like, Oh, I don't need, not that I was worried about the movie, but then seeing that I was like, I don't need to worry about this movie at all. This is perfect. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's, that's definitely a near miss on my list. Probably not a near miss on Paul's list. What do you have at number seven, Paul? It's getting crazy. Um, Number seven for me would, um, and again, this is kind of just throwing things out there. I think the whole scene where uh, Cap refuses to fight Bucky anymore at the very end of Winter Soldier, and not when he says, I'll be with you at the end of the line, just that I think it's a whole, the fact that like he's just like, he refuses to fight back to him. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he, you know, he just, you know, he gives up. And because of that, it brings Bucky back essentially from where he, you know, from being in, you know, in, in this deep psychosis or whatever. So it just, it's a very Steve Rogers thing. And I just, I remember just loving that scene. I'm like, yes, they, they get Marcus McFeely. They, they get cap, man. They, they get that character like none other. It's crazy how good they are with him. And gotta say like, it just, that I love that moment. Cause it just, it feels it feels like it brought in the Winter Soldier comic books and everything, and you know, instead of going the, the the that way or making him be a reoccurring like bad guy character that's on the threshold, they made it like pretty much off the right off the bat. Like he understands now, you know, by 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 punching Steve, he's like finally like made him realize what he was doing. It was a great moment. I love that moment. Yeah, number seven on my list comes from Black Panther, and it's the end of the well, not it's the end of Killmonger. It's that, that last moment where T'Challa has taken Killmonger up to see that Wakandan sunset that his dad had promised him was the most beautiful in the world. And it gets to be the last thing that Killmonger sees. And what I love so much about it is it's a great summation of, of a lot of things that were happening in the movie thematically throughout. And it's, it's kind of T'Challa's way of showing him, you know, he's learning from the mistakes of his father because a a near miss for me in Black Panther, there were two near misses, the casino fight with the wig throw, just because that's dope. And then the, uh, as well as T'Challa confronting his father the second time that he goes to the ancestral plane. But I chose this moment because I think it's, Black Panther really is those two characters and their different ideologies and and dealing with the sins of their fathers and, and going through it in different ways. And I see what you, the way you see T'Challa showing that compassion to Killmonger and that understanding that, yes, Killmonger was, was bad and needed to be stopped, but uh, his radical ideas were born from actual problems that everyone can relate to, or maybe not necessarily everyone, but certainly people of color can relate to, and more specifically black people can relate to, because that's certainly part of, the themes in the movie is dealing with that is that experience. And so for T'Challa to see that and have that compassion for Killmonger in the very end, whereas after everything that Killmonger has done, 
it would be easy enough for T'Challa to just finish him off and that's it. But for T'Challa to show that compassion, while at the same time, the scene also gives Killmonger the respect of giving him that one last act of rebellion, one last chance to say no to the idea of oppression of chains when he has that last quote about just bury him in the ocean like his ancestors that jumped for the ships because they knew that a, they knew that death was better than a life in bondage. I really love the way Kugler gave both of them that moment because it's a great way to really end that chapter. It's, it's the end of Killmonger's story, period, but then a great ending to that chapter of T'Challa's life. So that moment from Black Panther uh, gets to be the number seven spot on my list. Honorable mention on my list and also because Marvel had the balls uh, and Coogler obviously had the balls to make that last line in a superhero yes. movie. Unbelievable. Absolutely. So what do you got at number the, six? Number oh. six on my list is when Cap kicks up his shield after the elevator fight in Winter Soldier. Ooh, all right. And I just remember yeah. being in the theater going Captain America is the biggest badass in the MCU. <laughs> and like Paul said, you, you thought this guy could be a joke if he was done mm-hmm. wrong. But at that moment and ever since, really, um, even with you know guys like Black Panther coming on, Cap is still the biggest badass in the MCU, as he should be, mm-hmm. as he is portrayed in the comics. And so that moment to me, the fact that they actually found a way to make a guy dresses in the flag with a shield and, mm-hmm. and everything – the biggest badass in the biggest franchise in in the history of movies is amazing. So that that's number six on my list. What do you got at six, Paul? I've got Cap and Iron Man on screen together for the first time. Oh, okay, yes. and and that that is, um, and I, I I hate to repeat myself, but I, I talked about this on on the uh, look back to Infinity Road to Infinity War. And the Avengers will always be my favorite Marvel film. I don't think anything will be even Infinity War, which is really dang close. I love that movie. Um, it's just for whatever reason, you know, or not for whatever reason, I can tell you, going through a real weird time in my life, um, transition-wise at the time, with um, in my in my life with the, with the current job I had or whatever, and just being stressed out. Seeing the Avengers w- was one of the most therapeutic, like euphoric experiences it it sounds so stupid but it's true like it was it transported me literally back to when i was like eight years old and when i saw cap and iron man on screen together like i nothing else mattered in the world nothing nothing else mattered and i just got the biggest grin and it still gives me just the like more joy than almost anything. Avengers is one of those movies I can watch over and over and over and over again. And I, I never get tired of it. It always just brings me immense joy. And that scene is probably my favorite scene in the movie. It's so simple and stupid, but it's just like them, you know, standing next to each other and he just goes, Mr. Stark, Captain. And it's just like, it's just so perfect. It's like seeing the, the, the two Avengers together. It's like, ah, it's, it just—it's monumental for me, and it's—it's it's a big moment, and I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's simple, but I can't help but love it. So, yeah, Paul, that's an, that's an honorable mention on my list. Next, nice, nice. nice. Yep. Number six on my list comes from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and it takes place within Yondu's funeral. And you could really just say the whole scene, but it's more of Rocket 
in that scene when he talks when he's noticing all of the ravagers coming to Yondu's funeral and he goes through it and concluding on the point that he he stole batteries he didn't need because they had that great scene that this one narrowly beat out and if it was more scenes than moments I would have picked this scene instead it's that scene between Rocket and Yondu when he's saying I know who you are you are me and that whole thing with Rocket and trying learning to accept love and be part of a family and, and understand that that means people are going to see what's ugly about him, but they still won't reject him, which is part of the thing that why he was trying to push everybody away was having a, that fear of rejection. So he was preemptively rejecting this new family that he was a part of in the Guardians. And so him learning that and then also seeing the Yondu's arrow coming out at the end from the ashes and that tear that rolls down his eye for him to see that redemption, but also see that there can be life beyond the, I mean, he doesn't have that long of a lifespan anyway, as we learned in the first one. So for him to see a life beyond this one, all of that summed up in Yondu's funeral for, for rocket in particular, I absolutely loved. So that was a, a near miss on the top five, clearly, because there it is at, at number six. But I, I really love this one from Guardians too, and that, I could have picked a lot of things: Yondu saving Quill, the Yondu's death. I mean, there there was so much I could have uh, picked from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, but I had to go with uh, Yondu's funeral because it sums up uh, everything else that's going on in the movie. That's a great choice. Uh, that's number great. Now we're now we're now we're in the top five, so it's gonna yeah. get real. We're gonna get real dicey here. So where, <laughs> where are we at? It is. What do you have there, John? Uh, number five is from Civil War, mm. and uh, two words: Giant Man. Oh, I just near remember yeah. when a near miss got you. Um, when it happened, I just remember sitting there going, "Is this happening?" Yeah, Giant Man is re- there. You've got twelve superheroes on screen fighting and ant-man just became giant man grabbed hold of war machine spider-man just said holy shit yep this is all happening and i just couldn't comprehend it for a second because it was almost too much because it was really the i thought this was the culmination of marvel being a universe little do i know two years later (laughs) it gets even bigger but Mm. that for me was just such a great moment and even now when i see it i just watched it about an hour ago uh, Paul Rudd's face when he first becomes yeah. Giant Man. Just frame that in the Comedy Hall of Fame. Just that laugh, that. too. That laugh, yes. <laughs> Let go of my roadie. Let, oh, give me back my roadie. Uh, yeah. Just fantastic. So Giant Man for me. That was that was a close one. Uh, I actually didn't even end up with anything from Civil War on my list because I, I have a bunch of honorable mentions from Civil War, mm. and that was mm. definitely... One of them, also the Spider-Man taking Cap's shield, just because there it was, Spider-Man in the in the MCU, the first shot of him uh, in the MCU, not of Peter Parker, obviously, but Spider-Man in his costume. But what have you got in your fifth spot there, Paul? Um, mine is when Vision lifts uh, Thor's hammer. Oh, that's um, a good one. And and you know, it, it took me a while to warm up to it. But I even uh, rewatching um, Age of Ultron the last few times, it's still not my favorite MCU film. But I think it's it, I will say we didn't set it up perfectly. And I, I've grown to really love the vision. I've always liked vision in the comics. Not my favorite character, but I really love the MCU uh, version now. It, it, it took a little warming up, too. But, yeah, I really like this character. And I think that moment where they set it up with a party where they're, they're all trying mm-hmm. to lift the hammer. And, you know, he really we did a good job of setting that up when he lifted that hammer. It was it was a great moment. 
Like it was, and it, it just showed the uniqueness of Vision. And I love the fact that, you know, he he doesn't think anything of it. He just grabbed it and he goes, "Let's go." And and I I love how Paul Bettany plays it. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Um, and like I said, it just really shows you the uniqueness of the character and of you know, and it's showing us instead of telling us, you know, like he's just you know he's already Infinity Stone on his head and he's got this and he's got that and blah 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 and. He's a really unique character, and you get to see that in in this in this movie, and, and you see that and it sums up in that one scene. So, that one that one moment. So, I, yeah, I think that's definitely a great scene in the MCU. I think it's an awesome call out because the the fact that the whole like they nobody else could lift the hammer thing wasn't just a comedy bit; that it actually became such an integral thing to the plot. And how are we going to come up with it? How am I going to come up with a reason in Joss Whedon's mind? How am I going to come up with a reason for them to the heroes to trust vision so quickly mm-hmm. after everything that's gone wrong with Ultron? Here's this bit with the hammer. It was ge- it was a stroke of genius for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five on my list also involves vision from Avengers age of Ultron, just not the, uh, just not him lifting Thor's hammer. It is actually his line and it's really more of the whole scene, but summed up beautifully in the line, a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. And that's the concession that vision makes when Ultron says they're doomed when he's talking about humanity and why I love that moment. And I love that scene overall is that's where I give age of Ultron a lot of credit. It has some issues in the execution, but I think the big ideas are there. And by having Vision and Ultron in this movie, uh, in this movie, and then having them have that confrontation, I, I love that the movie had a chance to end with a very quiet confrontation like that, as opposed to just having it all end with the big battle of Sokovia. The fact that there is not just an epilogue to the movie, but just an epilogue to the climactic battle scene was perfect. And the way it sums up those themes is Joss Whedon has called Avengers age of Ultron, a very personal film. And my reading of this has always been that I think Ultron and vision is almost Joss Whedon having an argument with himself. This is a, a, a man's internal debate of his cynicism, Ultron versus his optimism in vision with regard to his own opinion, his own stance on humanity. Because if you follow Joss Whedon or if you've seen enough of his work and you understand his attitude, his sense of humor, there can be some snarkiness, some sarcasm, and even a little bit of cynicism in some things, but then there's also a lot of hope. And so I felt like that's what it was. And, and vision making that last point and then ultimately winning the confrontation with Ultron, it was almost saying that, even if I don't have always have the highest opinion of humanity, that doesn't mean there's not still good in there worth saving. And ultimately this whole thing of humanity, it's not going to last, but that doesn't mean that it's not beautiful and that it's not worth protecting for as long as we can continue to have it. So I think it's a beautiful moment that plays into some much bigger ideas that are going on in the movie. There's more happening in this movie than it gets credit for, but of course it's also fair to criticize it for its flaws in the execution. But uh, this will always be one of my absolute favorite moments in the MCU. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I've I've always liked that moment. It was, you know, not it's not in my honorable mentions or top ten, but I've always thought that was a great moment because of the connection between Ultron and Vision. They're always kind of like the polar opposites of each other. And in the comic books, you know, well, I guess in the movie he does create Vision too to an extent, um, but he actually creates Vision like himself, 
in, mm. in the comic books. And so I love the idea of their connection. And I got to, you got to see that kind of more played out. And I definitely I know I, I definitely like that as well. It was a good good ending to the movie. Yeah. What have you got at number four, John? Number four for me is from Spider-Man Homecoming, and it is when Adrian Toomes opens the door to yeah. Peter for their date. And That's fair. I just remember being in the audience and the fact that the entire audience gasped at once. Mm-hmm. All of them just – and it reminded me of uh, something um, – the, the the way the rest of the scene played out is that tension you feel in a Hitchcock movie mm. where – you are looking and you know that the killer is on to, um, you know, uh, James Stewart's girlfriend in Rear Window or in, in North by Northwest for Cary Grant. And you're watching and you know that tension. And that tension is going through the entire scene. The way they pulled that off after about a two minute John Hughes getting ready for the prom or homecoming mm-hmm. dance montage into that kind of tension is just masterful filmmaking. And every single time it just played well when I saw it in the movie seat uh, three times, every time the audience gasped. So that's number four on my list. Yeah, I I'll literally ne- gasped. Yeah. I'll never forget <laughs> the reaction to that. I had already seen the film. Luckily, Sorry, not sorry again, Paul. But then when I watched it on opening night at the TCL Chinese Theater IMAX, that opening Thursday night, 7 p.m. showing, everybody gasped and then applauded as if, I can't believe that just happened, but I got to give it up to you, Marvel. That was a good one. Like I, It was such a strange... Uh, beautiful, react, perfect reaction yeah. from that crowd to be so surprised and yet completely delighted by how surprised they were that it, they felt like applauding. Yeah, this was one of those things where I've talked about on the other shows, and I'll, I'll, I'll repeat myself again. It's not on my. That's not quite on my list, but we're getting closer. Um, that scene itself was almost probably my honorable mentions. I will say because. That scene, I was not expecting that scene. I know that got leaked out, I think, like on it the was internet. leaked out incorrectly. The leak was from like the junior novelization, and it had said that Toombs was uh, Michelle's dad. That's Zendaya's right. Zendaya's character. Yes. That, so it got spoiled, but spoiled incorrectly because I remember I, I had unfortunately known that much. And so when I was, as I was watching the movie, I was like, it does not make sense for tombs to be Michelle's dad in this story. And so then as Peter walked up to the door, I remember thinking, Oh, he's going to be Liz's dad. And then he opens the door. So it still spoiled it enough for me to kind of tip me off to that moment, but I don't care. It, it, It still works incredibly well. Oh, it's, it's super, super amazing. And it's, it's incredible. Again, I'm not, I was not expecting that. And it was a great, great, I never thought like of all things to do for Spider-Man, that's the perfect thing to do. And it hadn't, hadn't been done before. As far as I know, at least in the six sixteen universe where, you know, he, did, he walks in and he, he sees the, the vulture face to face. I mean, that was just beautifully done. Like you said, John, beautifully, beautifully done. What have you got at number four on your list, Paul? Number four on my list. Um, Again, I know scenes, moments, debatable, whatever, but it would be Thor Ragnarok in the very beginning when he takes on Sulter and um, he's, it's just, you know, him like taking him on and he, he, you know, Mm. the whole sequence because, and I've said, again, I've said this in the the past show, it's 
literally from the comic books. Like I feel like I'm watching a comic book when I when when because of how much is going on, all the ridiculousness. It's the most in. purely Thor action sequence that we've had. Exactly, exactly. And I felt like I was reading a Thor comic on screen, and it was it was marvelous. And again, no pun intended. It was, it was a beautiful thing to behold, and it was nice to see Thor get his like due. It was like, man, yeah. like they got Thor right once, you know. I mean, yeah. the, th- the first Thor is fine, but it's like this was like it on steroids. And he had some I of that swagger to... back from the Jotunheim scene yeah. that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. He's yeah, not an exactly. oaf, but he's also not the overly mm-hmm. respectful Thor of Thor: The Dark World. Yeah, exactly. Thank and you. It's, exactly. And it just got immigrant song. I mean, come yes. on. Yeah, yeah, it's... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good song. It's a good song. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so, but no, I, I think it's. I think at that moment is, is, is it makes me smile wide, and I love that moment to death. So yeah, Thor, Thor on Thor versus Solter. Uh, number four on my list, as I mentioned before, was I Am Iron Man, which already came up and, and was discussed. So let's go ahead and move on to number three with John. Number three on my list is another Spider-Man moment. This is from Infinity War, and it is when Peter doesn't want to go. Oh. What a gut punch. I remember the dead silence in the audience as he was saying, I don't want to go, and he falls into Tony. You could hear a pin drop. And the first time I saw it, I just remember it was a really late show, but once the movie was over, it was you know five minutes after that scene, no one clapped. No one said a word. They just mm-hmm. got up out of their seats and left with that shocked expression. And that moment, I think even more than the snap, is the one that I remember uh, about that night and that moment. And I especially love the way that that moment paid off. And this is what Marvel does better than almost any franchise, is it pays off the groundwork that they've done. The Peter and Tony relationship has been set up for three films. It's been deepened. So the fact that he dies in Tony's arms really means something because it's three films worth of a relationship that you're uh, culminating. So that moment for me is number three, and it, it really even could be higher, but but I put it at number three. Well, it's it's a great point with the Spider-Man piece of that because – it's Tom Holland's performance, and yeah. Downey as well, but but Holland with, with the lines that he's delivering is, that's what sold the snap to me. Because yes. when, when the snap first started in Infinity War and people started fading away, well, first, when Bucky was the first to go, I thought, oh, man, are they really going to is Are the people dying now going to really stay dead? And then T'Challa went, and I was like, well, nope. No. <laughs> and so... <laughs> And so it, was, it started lo- losing me for a second, although I also have to credit Denai Guerrero for her reaction to T'Challa fading away in front of her eyes. But Tom Holland's performance really sells it and made me forget all about the fact that Avengers 4 is coming out next year and, and these guys are all going to get to come back in some way, shape, or form. Because in this moment, for this kid, going back to what I mentioned my number nine moment from Peter Parker being trapped under the rubble, this is a kid who's dying. This is not, a, in his mind, in his perspective, this is not a comic book. This is real. It's happening to him. There's no, there is no next Avengers movie for these guys in this world that they're aware of. So it's real in that moment for him and also real, as you said, for Tony as he's losing this kid who he's been mentoring but really has become a, very much a son to him, which is why Tony yeah. freaks out when Peter says it's actually your, technically your fault that I'm here. 
So that responsibility that Tony feels for Peter, and you see the way that weighs on him, it's just, it, it is so perfect. Uh, and, and Tom Holland, got to give him a lot of credit. His performance, I think, makes the snap work uh, as much as anything else that, that's part of it. Agreed. Yeah, the, uh, the his, Peter fading away was was just. I mean, it was expected to an extent, but it was like it was also shocking. So it was like you said it best, Sean. Like no one clapped. Everyone just got up and walked out. I mean, at least in my theaters, I saw Infinity War three times, and no one clapped. They all just kind of got up and went, "Huh." It I was still run into people because I'm always on brand and wearing Marvel shirts and Marvel hats, and I, including wearing an Infinity War hat, and people talk to me, and they think all these people are really dead and that they're not coming back in Avengers Four. <laughs> Like yeah. we as the the fans who were in the know on this stuff and whatever, like it's easy for us to take for granted. But that's part of the reason why people were so silent is in the minds of a lot of people. Like this was this was it for these characters. They're not even thinking about Avengers Four in the way that we were. Yeah. But uh, what do you have at uh, at three, Paul? Number three. All right, we're getting we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Um, so number three, we're going to keep it with Spider-Man and I, again, I'm going to cheat a little bit, but to me, my favorite moment is Tombs telling Peter in the car, if you come between me and my family, I will kill you. Great. And just that whole scene is one of the most intense, best acted scenes in the MCU. I will fight anyone who will try to <laughs> and will try to tell me differently. I don't think you have to fight anyone. I don't think, no, I don't, I don't I don't think you will find, yeah, yeah. find a challenger. No, not, not you guys. I know you guys agree with me, but I mean like I'm talking about just anyone who you know anyone who says that was a bad scene, I'll be like, it does not compute. Get out of my face. I haven't no. heard any heard or read anyone saying that the, that's a right. bad thing or a bad scene. That that moment moment specifically, but it's a whole scene. But the moment, that whole, I, the whole thing with with Tombs talking to Peter. Once Liz leaves the car, and I, lo- Keaton gives me like, I can't even tell you how good that scene is because people know I'm not a Vulture fan in the comics. I think Vulture is one of the stupidest characters in in the Mar- in the Spider Man Spider Man's Rogues Gallery. I've been reading all the old comics. I'm up to issue 86 now. With well, they can go the, back and listen to the episodes where we talked about Homecoming before it came out and how not yeah. excited you were about Vulture. I, I remember those episodes, Paul. <laughs> no, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, Vulture is a, it's a lame character. I'm sorry. Adrian Toomes is not interesting. Michael Keaton's Vulture is 1,000 million times more interesting than I could ever even possibly imagine. And I wish they would inc- – I hope it's in, in the new game. I haven't got that far. Don't spoil it for me. So, but the thing is – he just in that scene, he embodies what I think he he both becomes the villain and an awful person, but also sympathetic and relatable because, in a sense, what he says, I will do anything to get you know for my family, so nothing gets between them and me, and you know and like he like even like, every everyone has that to an extent, obviously not to maybe murder someone outright in cold blood. But a 16-year-old, yeah, murder a 16-year-old? I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not saying go that extent, to that extent, but I'm saying is 
they would do anything for their family. So it's like you relate to them in some ways, but you also like you're also insane. So um, I don't know. Like this, that, just his performance in that scene is just it. It gives me goosebumps, and I just I love it. and I also love Tom Holland's performance because he doesn't yeah. say anything. No, he's, he's frozen. And, He's frozen. And it's so perfect. It's like a perfect Peter Parker moment because he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. He's well, because there were, there, and there were things that people like try. I have seen a couple people try to knock the scene. Like, I think they did it in the How It Should Have Ended video that he just like oh, webs whatever. his hand with the gun. And I'm like, that's not the emotion of the scene. Of course, he could physically stop Adrian Tubes right then and there, but he is frozen stiff. He is a scared kid in that moment because this scary adult is threatening his life like he's completely just shocked and and frozen in fear in that moment that's what it is it's not that he physically wouldn't uh, was incapable of doing it or in general is physically incapable of protecting himself in that moment he couldn't he was emotionally his his emotional response was freezing him physically and also i mean he's in love with her his daughter so he has to make that choice as well and he makes it you know a, a few moments later but he still has to look at Liz and go, I can't let this guy get away with it, even though I want to be here with you. So I think that's ridiculous criticism. Yeah, no, it doesn't really – it doesn't hold up. <laughs> well, number three on my list, and this one, I, I don't know that – actually, I should say that I try to think that these things aren't movable, but I guess they were because this was number two on my list until a few months ago. So I'm spoiling one of my top two entries, but – it's number three now. It's from Captain America, the first Avenger. Steve jumps on the grenade. Oh, I knew, gonna say, I knew, I knew that was on here, man. I knew that scene was. Coming oh, that's a good one. There is no better moment to just identify who Steve Rogers is. That's how Dr. Erskine won his argument with Colonel Phillips about Steve being the right guy because they were just debating Rogers versus Hodge. And Hodge ducked behind, just jumped out of the way and ducked behind a vehicle like everybody else was just ducking for cover. Steve jumps on the grenade. And it's also really important in terms of what it tells you about Steve's character is that he's not in it for the glory that he really truly is in it to do his part. Like he just wants to, he wants to help. He wants to save people. He doesn't want to kill anyone. He just doesn't like bullies. He wants to do the right thing, no matter what that costs him. Cause there's no glory in that moment. If he dies because of a grenade that just gets tossed out while he's in basic training, like just sitting there in boot camp, there's no glory in that. But in his mind, right at that moment, there is an imminent danger to everyone around him, and he's going to do his part to absorb that impact so that nobody else has to die. Giving his life, being immediately willing to give his life in that moment, it's such a perfect moment to sum up who Steve Rogers is. And I think that's a moment that, of course, it's meant to be a pivotal moment in the story, but I also think as an audience member, and it's a shame that more people didn't go out and see Captain America, the first Avenger in theaters. Not that it was a failure. It still did well enough. It was a profitable movie, but it's still the second lowest grossing film in the history of the MCU. And I do hope more people went back and caught up with that because it is such a beautiful moment that I think if you weren't already on board with Steve Rogers, that's the moment where it, it, you're permanently on board with Steve Rogers right then and there when he jumps on that grenade. Yeah, I think it's 
probably the most underrated movie in the MCU is the first Avenger. It's really high on my list in terms of movies. I knew I knew that was going to be on your list. I how knew could, how could it not be? List. I know. I'm just saying. I just know you. You love that scene. I knew that was going to be on there. How could it not be? It's it's the moment for for Steve Rogers. Okay, top two. Oh man. So what do you got for us, John? Number two is from Avengers, and it is when the Hulk smashes Loki, and oh, this beautiful. got the loudest laugh. I have heard in a movie theater outside of maybe there's something about Mary. It lasted about a minute. People just slapping their knees, laughing as loud as they could. And I remember seeing it on Friday night, hearing that laughter, and then going back on Sunday afternoon, another packed crowd, and the exact same reaction. It is one of the great visual jokes in the history of comic book movies, maybe even in the history of action movies. And every time I see it, it just still gets a little snicker like wow that is perfect so that is because i love to laugh during movies and uh that's got to be number two on my list it's a great one it's, a, it's an awesome pick and on that, there, on that, there, that moment does a lot to make the avengers yes, yeah i agree and also you can never hear i can never hear loki groaning afterwards <laughs> until i got it on video yep. so right yeah i i think yeah, it took yeah, it, it took three viewings to hear uh, Puny God because everyone was laughing yep. so loud. Yeah, it wasn't until I went back, I think, on the... Yeah, it took a while to hear Puny God, but it took even longer to hear... Because people... Because once people started hearing Puny God, because there were a lot of repeat viewers for Avengers, clearly, and so people would laugh at Puny God, but then you forget the like that last little whine from Loki. It took a, a long time to hear that. I think I was finally able to hear it on like the third or fourth weekend that I went to go and, and watch the movie when the crowds had finally down, died down uh, to just enough. And also it was full of repeat viewers like me who had already seen the Loki smash, and so they, were, they laughed at it, but obviously not as hard or as, as long as they did uh, originally. But Paul, what have you got at number two? Number two for me is you'll you'll probably won't be surprised about this one, Sean. This is uh, in the Civil War. Okay. After uh, Captain America defeats Iron Man, and Tony yells out, uh, "You know that's not your only shield. beat Iron Man because of a classic Bobby Heenan boot trip by uh, Bucky." And, but anyway, 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 anyway. Um, when Captain America, Captain America, uh, undecidedly uh, beat Iron Man. Um, and Iron Man was on the ground like a weenie he is, um, <laughs> and was whining and crying about how his dad made his shield for him, th- thinking that would hurt Steve. Steve looked at him and said, nuh-uh, and threw the shield right at his feet and walked away. And I've always talked about how important that is to me uh, for Captain America, mm-hmm. because Captain America is is just a symbol for, you know, for, for that he uses, but Steve Rogers never wavers, whether he agrees what's going on in the country or or what. And for me, that was an important moment because it showed that he was able to leave that, that you know, that meant nothing to him. The shield that he had in, in his, you know, protected him and his love and the people, his loved ones or whatever and everything. He threw it all behind because he stood behind his friend. And to me, it just was a powerful moment and one of my favorite moments because it embodies the film for the film purposes. It it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But for me, as the character and a lover of Captain America, that's a total Captain America move. 
Captain America does not care about the shield. He gives it up willingly. You know, it's not he Steve Rogers is more than Captain America. And that to me is what makes Captain America is, is the fact that he's able to turn it down and say, no, like I, I did not identify with this. If this is what it represents, no, if it represents your father and then you're trying to lord it over me and all this, that it means nothing to me. Here it is. It's at your feet. Bam. And I love that. And I love that it's picked up on in, you know, in infinity war. And I think there's a, and I think there's also it's interesting too in infinity war that you see Steve be different because he doesn't, he's not the same. And I think it's because he's not Captain America. I think he's he's definitely missing something, but he's willing to give that up. And I think that's what is important. That like Captain America and and Steve Rogers are different, but they need but they also need each other at the same time because Steve is Captain America, but it's not like he's willing to he'll give it up. I just love that about Civil War that it embodies that important aspect of that character, and it did it beautifully. See, now I know that an eventual top moment on my list will be when he gets the shield back. Yes. <laughs> uh, but And I also mentioned Steve, you know, jumping on the grenade for my number three moment. If he jumps on a big purple grenade called Thanos in Avengers 4 <laughs> and that's how he goes out, that may top the jumping on the grenade moment. Um, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, number two on my list I'm going to the snap as John did, but it's a little bit different for me. It's more of the punctuation of that moment, which comes really in three steps. The first part is when Rhodey's asked is saying like, what's going on or what, what just happened. And Steve just says, Oh God, there's a, there's a pause. And then Steve says, Oh God, that is a beautiful, dark, twisted reflection of the end of the first Avengers movie, the battle of New York. When Steve, when somebody else asked, you know, what just happened? And Steve says, we won won. this time. It's, it's not even because when I saw it happening, I was like, he's about to say we lost, but that would have felt almost more like a pun uh, to just be such a direct reversal of the, we won. So just saying, Oh God. And just the complete devastation of the moment really sold it. And then, Thanos, then the next beat of just showing Thanos ending, having ending with a victory of having his smile and he's resting just like he said he was going to do. And then boom, Avengers infinity war, the score just kicks in and that's it. And what I love about it and, and it's properly set up and, and it owes a lot to Tom Holland's performance, but the message that that three step sequence sends to the audience at the very end of this is, no, we're sticking with this. This is the end of the movie. This is what you have to sit with for the next year. Or for some of you who aren't aware that there's another one coming next year, you're going to leave the theater thinking that this is just the way it is now. I thought that was a master stroke, and it was just a the perfect way to end Avengers Infinity War in a really bold way to end Infinity War. I wasn't alive when Empire Strikes Back was in theaters, but I have to feel like this is maybe the closest anything's come to it, especially from people I've talked to who did see Empire Strikes Back in theaters. It seems there seems to be some consensus out there that since Empire Strikes Back, we haven't seen a movie really have that this kind of an ending for a, a blockbuster and really stick with it the way that Avengers Infinity War does. And a quick honorable mention that I maybe won't bring up on the Patreon credit scene, though, is... When they bring up the title card one last time before we normally get a mid credit scene and it just fades to dust and then there's again a pause like we're about to get a mid credit scene and then the credits just resume. 
I I love that one, but I got to take the uh, the actual final moments of the film as uh, as number two on my list. Yeah, Sean, what, I was uh, yeah. going, Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. I, really fast. I was going to say that's a runner up for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I got to tell you, I was uh, five years old when Empire Strikes Back came out, and uh, I saw it, and I just remember that as a kid, I could not accept that. Spoiler alert: Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. So that is, I think, a couple of kids when I was coming out of the movie theater uh, were had that same sense of, I don't trust what I just saw because it was too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And that, that is uh, an incredible thing for a movie to do. Yeah, I okay. think I, I think kids today who saw Infinity War this year, I, I think they're going to remember that for a long time. I think they're really, it's really going to stick with them. Cause I mean, you heard the stories all over the place of kids crying cause Spider-Man died and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. you, know, you know that this has made an impact on uh, some kids, but here we are number one on everybody's list. John, take us home. Number one, I tried to try and only have one scene or one moment from each movie, but I just couldn't because Avengers was so big for me. And number one moment for me is, the tracking shot same through all six of oh same for you same i just remember uh watching it in the theater i thought if they never make another superhero movie again i have seen my childhood 10 year old dream put on screen exactly like it was pulled out of my mind and i will forever see that shot thinking this is a dream fulfilled and so it's number one for me what about you, Paul? Well, number one for me is from Infinity War. Okay, and it's and it's been uh, it's it's not silly, but it's just something that gives me goosebumps mm-hmm. every single time I watch it, and I literally just it lose my mind every time I see it. And it's when oh, Thor I know what this is. Yells out, <laughs> "Bring me Thanos!" And oh, that's it's great. That's a great it, one. Yes. And, and the reason why it's number one is because I wasn't prepared for it. And like we and Sean were talking about it on text, and you know, and you said, "Sean, it's earned." Like mm-hmm. that's why. That's why it pays off. But it's like it is really the culmination of not just the film, but as a comic book fan. Like to hear Thor yell out, bring me Thanos like that as, oh, it's just, it's beautifully acted by Chris Hemsworth. Like he yeah. like, I mean, it's incredible. And it, like and it, his, what he does is just so amazing. I mean, it's, and it's his a, entrance too. Yes, exactly. I mean, the Bifrost with, with yeah. rocket on his shoulder. I mean, come on. And the Alan Silvestri yeah. score kicking in. Yes. It's, it's definitely, uh, it, it was Near miss because of my rule of one moment per film. That's the only reason it missed the the list. I had to go more with the snap, only yeah, because yeah, Thanos yeah. won. That's the only, that's the only reason. That was the tiebreaker yeah. between the two moments. I just that that scene is just it. It gives it that gives me goosebumps every time I see it. I I get, I get like a rush whenever I see that scene when he comes and bring Thanos, and I'm like yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I love that. That scene is amazing. Yeah, number one on my list, same as John's. It's the tracking shot from Avengers, and I had a similar thought as I was going through it uh, when I saw that for the first time. And I feel the exact same way, no matter how many times I've seen that movie, which is a lot because it is. It's six years old, and it's one of the most rewatchable movies I've ever seen in my life. And so it's. I've been through it tons and tons and tons of times. 
I feel the exact same way with the exact same level of enthusiasm every time I see it, which is this is why we this is why we have comic book movies. This is why we have superhero movies. That was the sentiment was to get a moment like this. And I don't know that anything can really replace that as a number one. So it's, and granted there's some bias in there, I guess, but for the most part, it's just, this one is entrenched. I think everything else is competing to maybe have the number two slot going forward in the MCU for Avengers four and and all the other movies we're going to get in the, uh, in the future. But that tracking shot, uh, because it's, it's the beautiful payoff. I mean, it's a, it, it, Closely edges out the other shot, the you know, the the circular shot sure. going around yeah. for the Avengers the first time when the score kicks in. I think that might have had a better chance at winning, except we already saw it in the we trailer. Saw it, yeah, a million times. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, we didn't see it fully played out and set up. But yeah, the tracking shot was just something special and completely amazing, and and I I, I love it so 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 much. And it's it's something that I it's like. I'm sitting on the couch watching the movie and it's a movie I've seen a hundred times. And yet when we get to that moment, I sit up a bit and I lean forward and I just completely zone into what's on the screen in front of me. And, and I actually just got to see it again on the big screen in, in IMAX 3d during, during the Marvel studios 10th anniversary film festival. And that was absolutely a highlight of the 20 film run is and i knew i was going to get that moment of i'm going to see this movie on the big screen again and it was uh it was such a treat because that that moment uh, i i don't think i don't think anything can unseat that that moment from the top of the mountain for me and i'll even say my favorite moment of the tracking shot is when thor lands on the uh on the what well the hulk's throwing the other people off and then thor lands just starts wrecking people with the hammer my favorite moment moment, specifically that shot oh god my favorite moment is the hammer and the nail between thor and hulk Hulk takes that shard from the leviathan and just jams it in there and thor drives it home with mjolnir that's my favorite moment of it because it are actually i don't know it's between that and the repulsor rays from iron man's armor bouncing off of cap's shield that was also pretty kick-ass but i think i have to go with the hammer and the nail between uh between hulk and thor so that's our list that's our list for our top 10 moments in the mcu i'm sure you disagree with some of our list but (laughs) you should at least agree that these are all great moments and we actually didn't have very much overlap john and i just hit on the tracking shot from avengers and i am iron man Paul very much on brand with his picks. There's no doubt about that. So <laughs> I guess I shouldn't be surprised that I didn't have as much overlap with uh, with Paul. But <laughs> so he got a lot of different moments, and it just points to I mean how hard these choices were. There were I mean you could pick several more moments. You could go a few dozen more moments and still not cover everything that we've been treated to uh, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we're going to cover a few more, at least, in the Patreon credit scene, which, again, you can get more information on how to join us over on Patreon and get exclusive content over at patreon.com slash News, and then keep up with us on the website, marvelstudiosnews.com, Facebook and Instagram at News, and on Twitter at marvelnewscast. John, it's your chance to plug anything, your social media where people can follow you, anything you've got going on. I will uh, take this opportunity to plug your show, everyone. Oh, if you like uh, Marvel uh, 
Marvel News. I'm sorry, is it Marvel Studios News? It is Marvel Studios News. Marvel Studios News. Uh, become a Patreon. It is worth it. These guys give you uh, hours of entertainment that you get to listen to at your convenience. So support them. Aww. Thank you. That's very kind very of you nice to you, John. Yes. Paul, where can everybody find you since we've established not enough of them follow you on Twitter? That's not what I meant to say. I'm just saying if you didn't – anyway, for people who want to know, I'm more active on Twitter. That's more my, my jam, at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Well, I'll plug our Twitter again, at Marvel Newscast. It's really a great thing to follow because sometimes we do cool things like give away free digital copies to movies, and hopefully we get to do that again for Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's not a hint that it's going to happen. I'm still trying to make it happen. Uh, but it, certainly it's a worth uh, worth a follow over there. If you want to follow me, you can do that on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul and John, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 